Greetings, listeners. Welcome into the Nostalgia Pit, a podcast aiming to dissect pop culture, the subconscious, and other psychological phenomenon through a hyperbolic and prismatic lens. Hosted by Rob Snow and Colin Cassard, mixed by Alex Riddle, and songs produced by Golden Beats, the Nostalgia Pit is available anywhere you find your podcasts. Well, today, we sit down with sound design wizard himself, Brandon Clark, a fantastic musician and a fantastic artist, and one of two sound designers to work on the new release, Pavlov VR on the PSVR 2. Those of you who love video games and you love the VR, you'll be in quite some luck, because this game right here, while it has existed in the uh, PC VR world, it hasn't been available on PlayStation. So now, with the PlayStation VR 2 being launched in February, that is February 22nd of 2023, we got this launch coming up, and with the launch of the PS VR 2, we have a game, it's called Pavlov VR. IG88 was one of two sound engineers to design all of the sounds that went into Pavlov on VR. So we're gonna get into some of those discussions with him, talk to him a little bit about what it's like to work as a sound designer, what it's like to work as a musician. So you know what? Let's get to it. We got My Own Truth and Pavlov VR with Brandon Clark. Do you remember the parties at, were you there when people opened up the fridge at Mission Control and started just throwing food at each other? Were you, were you there uh, I, for I, that? I loved, uh, no, I remember Mission Control quite well. Very fond times, which had the cool fucking fire pit in the backyard. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking amazing times there. Um, n- no, I do remember people throwing, tossing their lunch to a degree, <laughs> aka fucking barfing from chugging 40s or something. But I don't remember people taking your actual produce out of your fridge and tossing it. But there was like a tomato fight, Mike Harris and a bunch of people. That was when the part I was like, I need to stop hosting parties, man. Like, or oh, stop no. having the fruit that people would have in the 1800s to throw on stage when they didn't like an act. Stop keeping that in your fridge. Because <laughs> uh, they're probably wanting beer. <laughs> they, no, they want, They were wasted. I was passing around fifths of Carvassier, and that was the problem. You know, yeah. Everyone was drinking their booze, and then they'd take a swig of the Carvassier, and then another swig. And then, uh, yeah, and dude, bad. lost off the crevasse. crevasse. Some people can't handle the crevices. <laughs> Enter the crevasse. Yeah, uh, I don't drink anymore, though, because drinking hurts me. Yeah, it hurts everyone. That's really, that's intelligent to notice and acknowledge. When did you start? Well, the last time I drank was uh, Chance and I and, and Beige were here. Like how, this is what an alcoholic I am. I said, when did you start? As if it were a substance. The act of you not doing a substance. That's me acknowledging my own. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm still drinking coffee and, you know. I, my my substances are caffeine and 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 guana. Yeah, Can, cannabis. Guano. Guano. I just <laughs> eat raw guano for <laughs> breakfast because it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that with certain brain makeups, you can kind of have marijuana be a placeholder for stuff that we're all trying to fill with different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's fantastic to have Juano be that rather than so many other things, especially once you've been doing it enough to know this is for then and this is my limit with this. And you can, you're really just like rogue medicating yourself in a way that we're all trying to do successfully or not in different ways. And if you can eliminate alcohol from the equation, it's cheaper, it's better for your body. Like, it's the way to fucking go. Boo- booze is cheap here, though. It's really cheap. In Oregon? Yeah. People, I, dude, I swear, I saw a six-pack of Tall Boys for like three ninety nine. Hmm. Oh, it looks like a... Oh, okay, cool. So can you pick me up from the Amtrak in a couple <laughs> minutes? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Beer and weed is beer and weed is just really cheap here. Like in comparison, I was in Seattle visiting Wiz a while ago, and I didn't have any weed with me. I was like, oh, I'll just go to a store and pick up an eighth. 
you know, and realistically, I only wanted like a nug to smoke one joint. I ended up paying 55 bucks or something for that. You can get like ounces here for $30. I don't understand in comparison to like when we were in high school and stuff, like what the price of weed was. Like my brain is still kind of locked in that mode. Yeah. And so every time I see price structure. That's kind of my frame of reference too, which which when we thought like we were being skimped then, it was like we weren't. <laughs> it was just probably actually two grams or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're actually paying for two grams. But <laughs> now these days I, I help recreational places actually grow it and stuff like that. And it's it's fun. It's not what I want to do. It's cool. I'm not a farmer. I like talking. Yeah, I mean, you know, we did meet on OnlyFarmers.com, but that doesn't mean you're only a farmer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't want to be pigeonholed to, you know, just one place, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to talk about uh, the game at all? So I, in the intro before you got here, talked about it, Pavlov VR, and this game already existed before for PC VR, right? And so did you... Oh, we don't have to. We don't have to go too in, deep into it. I, I was just excited, and I was like, "What are the chances of the day?" Oh, I'm gonna promo it. That we're actually recording. That I would actually have something to plug because otherwise, it would be like, "What's up, music friend who hasn't put out music in for fucking ever?" <laughs> Do you still go to Bellingham or anything these days? There's, there's no, there's nothing for anyone there anymore. Bellingham, like. Bellingham's outside, right? It's a location that some Outside people... Outside my house? Then no, I haven't been. <laughs> do you do all no, your sound I, design I, I from fucking, home? I fucking love Bellingham. Um, I haven't been back in, in far too long. but um, See Adji? Oh, uh, I've seen the Adji boy, but mostly in Seattle. Uh, He's a real estate mogul now, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they call them real estate Mongols. I think he's Genghis in all the fucking property. <laughs> <laughs> And for each 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 uh each estate sold, he gets another shade of more tan and handsome. So I think he's tapped into something. Oh yeah, <laughs> I feel you. How can he get more tan and handsome than he was? Yeah, well, I would say look at him, but you'll blind your damn self. You're already wearing glasses. <laughs> no, um, no, these no, glasses I, are I'm, are not prescription, so don't worry. Oh yeah, as Bo Smith would say, it's for the look. You don't light it. <laughs> No, I, I, it actually helps with my, uh, I used to get migraines really bad. And then. Is it like screen based? Yeah. So yeah, it just yeah. blocks the blue light and yeah, it, it helps out a good amount. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you knew you're going to look at my handsome face through zoom. So you're like, I got to get all the eye, eye protection I can fucking muster. Mm-hmm. And I want to make it so you, there's a, there's a slight wall in between us. <laughs> well, yeah, mostly an just extra a reflection wall. of myself in your glasses, which is like. Really engaging for me. No, don't take them off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love the hell out of Bellingham still. I haven't been back in a minute, but my mom lives in the Bellingham area. so. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you got Familio. Yeah. Familio Estevez. Yeah. I got a couple people up there. I like to go once a year, try to, but it's an interesting place. It's very sad. I get very depressed every time I'm there. Mm, I used to. I mean, that was that technically your hometown or Ferndale? Yeah, or where? yeah, yeah. That's where I went to school, and yeah. and lived most of the year. So I'm from Kitsap County. Um, so like I used to like my main hometown is Kingston, Washington. Mm-hmm. And whenever I would go through there, I would have a feeling of it's almost like the comfort in being sad form of nostalgia to where like. You're going there and you're dreading aspects of it, but it kind of took like, usually there's like a reason why you're going to that place. But once that was removed and I found myself passing through, that's when I found myself able to really unpack the reasons why I thought I felt sad rolling through. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? And then that like, now I really like it. It's, it's, It's not like a, oh, I'm stoked about this place or... I'm really, really sad about it. It's acknowledging, like, uh, an important aspect of what makes me, me. Mm -hmm. And so... That makes sense. I'm probably running from it. Like, a bunch of fucked up shit happened to me there, and then I tried to express myself and, like, figure out all of my issues by, like, making raps and 
having sex and doing drugs and, you know, the ways that we all try to Sounds like. Sounds like a nightmare. Do we? You don't want no part of this. Turn all your bad feelings into good feelings. It's a nightmare. Well, I had the. I mean, you are the person that understands. You know, like how much, like weird, um, energy I put into my raps. And when I say weird, I mean like, I. I first. Well, let me let me just preface this with saying I apologize to you for all of the shit I put you through with making you mix my music. No, I mean honestly. I mean, let's put another let's put another carrot in that carrot, me baby. You being someone who was uh, soliciting the services of me doing that gave me the ability to have at least the financial foundation or a part of it to be able to grow the skills to make me the person that I am today. So it's all it's all a connected tissue kind of thing. So you know. Don't so don't apologize because <laughs> that's good because it was helpful and it helped me learn a lot about mixing in the process too. Because some of the shit came in with your features, and I was like, damn, what do I do with this? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to fucking figure it out, and it, and it was nice. Oh, someone asked me for like some of my old shit uh, a little while ago, and I was just like, no. I was like, I mean, like, I was like, I'll give you some of the old stuff, but like, there's a lot of that old stuff that it's like, if you don't have it, sorry, you lost. You know? Did you, so you pulled it from like Bandcamp and like wherever oh. it would have been sitting. Yeah, I pulled most. I mean, I put out like, put together like twenty projects or something like that. Yeah. I think I have. Let me look on my. But you band. still have have them, right? Yeah, I still have them on on a heart. My so my old computer crashed, but I have it on. I I, I saved everything. Didn't you ever experience a, a point where someone was like, "Oh, my favorite thing you have done was this thing," and then when you as the artist think back on it, you're like, "That that fucking that was that sucked." Well, dude, that was the 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 song that care package that launched me and Wally like people liking us was the do you really want to hurt me let's do some whippets song <laughs> it's funny as hell <laughs> why is this like the song that, you're like people are like oh you're the whippets guy like okay well once you get called the whippets guy then <laughs> i was upset <laughs> i was like i've never done a whippet in my life we made a song as a joke and now i'm the whippets guy stories for you not not by way oh. of me doing them but i have to I have to pee so bad. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into commercial break really quick. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be right back. I got a quick uh, message for you from stamps.com. Yeah, I'm hashy. Every now and then I'm like, I got shit to mail to people. Dick pics. Can't do it. I mean, I can do it, but God, I got to stand in line to do it. Wouldn't it be great if I could just mail my dick pics from the comfort of my own home? Dickstamps.com. Dickstamps.com. Use the promo code Wheeze the Juice. <laughs> <laughs> gotta pee so bad, call it. Can I go pee? Can I go, go potty? Pee, go pee. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Currently peeing? Well, not anymore. Stop talking. <laughs> Advertisement for bedpans.com. <laughs> no, I'm gonna take a fucking piss over here, back. But love the hell out of you. My body is strong. My body is resilient. My body is every bit as important as my head. You wouldn't call my body a shaft, would you? Shaft is a movie starring Samuel L. Jackson that came out in the year 2000. Not the rest of my penis. Join the movement at cockbody.org. Funded by Balls of the Feet of the Dick 501c3. So, should is I get a good... Is this, is this fun for you at all? I'm having a blast. Oh, I'm having a good time. 
have Asperger's, so I need to like actually check in with you. Uh, I am known to ramble and um, I can steamroll people with my energy. So I'm glad that you're having fun. I'm having a great time. Okay. <laughs> is is I feel like I feel like you're steamrolling, but then I'm I I uh, I can't help but just yell at you because I'm excited. Whatever joke I think is fun during your steamroll ride, and I think with that comes like this. ADD asphalt that's being laid for anyone who's listening to the audio. Well, the good thing is I can always adjust things if it need be, if like we're talking over each other or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I just mean like as far as the direction that Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people that like I just keep moving forward and a person can lay breadcrumbs for me and just I will be all (laughs) over with topics. It's kind of all that. That's what I'm trying to. Yeah. So I'm trying to mitigate. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. it's just nice to talk to you. So yeah, yeah. me and Rob, uh, will will have some like you know thing we're gonna talk about, and then yeah, it just goes from this to this to this, and that's kind of why the podcast is like as easy as it was for the most part. Like yeah, I was like, oh, we've been recording for three hours, and you know, all of a sudden I have forty hours of stuff that I should start editing it. Yeah. But oh, I was telling you uh, my editing process earlier was literally so I'd rec- I'd listen to I'd go back and I'd listen to it, I'd take all those notes, I'd write down all the samples that I wanted to chop, then I'd go find the samples, chop them, then I would drop them into Ableton and then accordion everything out and like put them in the right place and like mix them in together. So sometimes it was taking upwards of 12 to 20 hours to edit an episode. Yeah. Like, and, and it was just, that, that's, that's stupid. You know what I mean? Like people like record their podcast in the morning and put it out two hours later more often than not. Like, what am I doing? I mean, and I'm not saying that all those podcasts are good quality, you know, more often than not, you can tell that they're being rushed or the audio yeah, quality. Mr. Show, a lot of people say a lot of things about New York. <laughs> I love Bob Odenkirk, man. <laughs> Those run, running, run rather, but but yeah, it's just like you you can. It's like it's that's a lot of the creative process too. Is like when you have the ability and all the tools to do anything, mm-hmm. and you're the person saying like, should this be done or should this not? Knowing when to stop is just as important as being able to start in the creative process. So, yeah, if you could just smash the shit in real time and let it be what it is, like. I think that's also a lot of like what makes raw creativity the thing that like in earlier things that you're making, that's that's kind of what I mean by like keeping music fun. It's like you're doing it because it's like you're not thinking about why you're doing it. You're not thinking about what it's going to be to edit. Yeah. You're not thinking about where it's going to come out or how it's going to come out. You're just doing it. And that's kind of been my thing for the past few years that, that I've done musically that kind of keeps me on track with what I want to be doing. Like mm-hmm. I just had uh Beige Boy and Chance over a couple of weeks ago and we just made shit. And it was, it was it was sort of like sort of like in the like the cipher days of like, all right, well here's a game. Like let's do this. Yeah. We're giving ourselves like writing time challenges and stuff. Like mm-hmm. all right, well, let's set a timer and then this is the stanza or something <laughs> like let's let's do this over this beat and then when it's done it's done and let's record it and then move on and like that really was refreshing as hell for me it was the most one that i like i don't write raps let alone rap raps <laughs> but like it felt really fun to do that at the same time and like do that with the beat making process of stuff too and like switching things up and yeah just try, keeping it fun i think is is the main part yeah, because you know. Yep, for me, I think part of the reason that I stopped making music when I came down to Portland is because I didn't have that like other energy to bounce off of and stuff like that. Like Scott, for example, even though like smokestack, smokestack, yeah, even though he might not have been like on every track or something like that, but just having him around, like his energy was always Dude, like he was fantastic. Your ODP. One hundred percent. Like I, I've I've thought about this he before. Was my ODB when he was around. I've thought about this before. Is like if I ever get like creatively famous for like whatever, right? Like if if so, I'm 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 uh, in. I've just started pre production on a short film that I'm making, right? 
if whatever reason that took off or something like that, if I had money to just like have and like expend, I'm paying for Scott. I understand the concept of money. Move on. <laughs> paying for Scott to come and just hang out. Be like, you're just, yeah, just just chill. Here's some weed. Here's some booze. Just be you. Then just yeah. like let him exist around yeah, me. Like there are so many personality types like that across the spectrum to where it's like in a vacuum, you already flourish. But in this fucking weird world, there's nowhere for like a lot of these voices to flourish. And it sucks. Like in, in a lot of people are like kind of somewhere along the spectrum of that where it's like you have just enough people skills or you have just enough life skills. And there's some people who like, honestly, I would consider myself <laughs> included within that. Like, I don't know how to do a lot of things that come naturally to people. But if you put me in a position, I could do a specific thing that is me. But that's not always the thing that makes the goddamn money. <laughs> we live yeah. in this life where we need to make the fucking money. But that shouldn't take from what makes people who they are in such an authentic way. And it's that right, right place, right time kind of thing. And Smokestack is definitely that. He's a fun dude. Fun guy. I still talk to him periodically. We text. He texts me raps, you know. Bring him into the Zoom right now. Oh, I wish. He's he's probably at work right now. He's probably working at Lowe's in the warehouse managing like a boss. Shit, he works for he, Rob Lowe? Rob Lowe's? <laughs> yeah, Rob Lowe's uh, uh, Cod Peace Emporium. Or is it Rod Blows? <laughs> Rod Blow? <laughs> cod Pieces? <laughs> God. Wow! So fish, like they, they still have cod pieces. Pieces of fish. Yeah, they're the the flakes from we make the fish sticks. We got the scraps. We mash them into balls. Cod piece. <laughs> yeah, dude, slam the cod piece in your cod piece. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know the origin of the cod piece, right? Uh, as Catholic, right? Cod piece be with you, or. You know, back when bathing was considered uh, 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 bad, you know, you had the gangrenous crotch regions that that wafted uh, beautiful smells. Come again. And, um, uh -huh. you know, so you had to pack potpourri into a large pillowcase that you put over your your, your uh, genitals. That's because of gangrene and cod? Yeah. You a little fish in there, too, you know. Helps out, though. I think you might have mandela that with the truth, but we don't need to get into that. Hey, you know. Hey, I can make my own truth. <laughs> no, no, I know. <laughs> I am my own truth. How about that? The name of the podcast changes to my own truth. My own truth featuring. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> featuring Phallus Jones. <laughs> the conspiracy theory porn star. How do you feel about I mean, that I already angle? said one of my monikers was a little oozy pervert, so I think we're ready to go. <laughs> I missed that one. That's good. I was trying to think of my porn star name earlier, and I blanked on it. Earlier? Like this morning? <laughs> no, no. You mentioned it earlier in the pod. Uh, David Caress. That was that was what I was joking. Uh, you know. Instead of Caress. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Creepy. Well, it wasn't until you said that. <laughs> It's actually just fine. The clenching of the jaw and the cold eye contact afterward. Really <laughs> don't want to sell it. Hammer the right, point. So we home. were talking about music. Uh, music. Pow 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 power. Uh, is there anything that you are enjoying in the musical world these days? Do you still listen to a? Uh, what do you listen to? Oh, I, I, I meant we were talking about you, but sure, sure. Classic oh, my music? Right? No, you don't want to hear about the that. Psychology as motherfucker. You you don't want to hear about my music. That's all bad. Um, yeah, just I rap like, honestly. I, the, the, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, no, no. I asked. <laughs> I first. was just gonna say I rap about uh, uh, football coaches eating cheese dip in saunas. I got some more info, so would you please sit? Mike Dicker in a sauna eating cheese dip. Things like that. So, so. big Green Bay Packers. 
fan stuck in a jacuzzi kind of thing, like melting cheese? Or Sure, yeah. No, I just reference a bunch of pop culture amalgams. It's kind of like this podcast. It's, mm. Makes no sense. Lay a 16 on me right now. 16! Uh, the only one I can remember is Mr. Habanero from uh, Wally World. Are you boots and catsing? No, I'm no, no, I'm fucking not, not. Boots and catsing, boots and catsing, Wait, was that was that too slow or too fast? All of the above. I can't do it slow. <laughs> Are Doctor, you beatboxing? I can't hear anything. Bl- he needs more blankets and less blankets. Oh, does Zoom and cold. Does Zoom not do the fucking beatboxing? No, apparently. Boom. I hear that. Boom, boom. Barely. It's like weird. It's like cutting in and out. No, yeah, it cuts out. That's fucking bullshit. That's why I was like, are you doing some like weird mouth that was thing? Beatboxing that was for like, like trying to... 60 seconds, man. <laughs> The fuck? You're like, condense- this guy That's what I'm saying. Zoom rap. is fucking whack, bro. Like, okay, uh, so what's your thing about Discord? Discord you said- uh, would let me beatbox at you and then you would rap. How about that? Did, are you fucking sold on it? Well, does it have video too? Yeah, it's got video too. Do I have to pay for it? I, I, I don't know. You don't have to be fucking evangelical anti abortionist mom to fucking get the Zoom creds for it. Yeah, no, it's fucking free, dude. This podcast is recorded on Zoom. I get 85 cents every time I say that. Every time I podcast, I get closer to God. Yeah, dog. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Discord, but definitely let whatever I just did actually happen. But that's unacceptable. Fine. It's yeah. unacceptable. What is happening? I'll, I'll tell you one thing right now. I'm really good at ideas. I struggle with streamlining sometimes. For the listener, he's shaking a pen at me when he says that. <laughs> I'm being reprimanded. I don't understand it. Like, I'm really good at streamlining. Like, I've been hired on to restaurants to streamline their business. And I've done it successfully, like, multiple times. Sure, but how does that translate to what you're doing now? Exactly, I don't know. Your brain can, but we're not cooking food here. We're cooking words, baby. I know. And I'm the entree. Yes. <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I'm, you know, off pod, let's parking lot this and circle back. I'll hit you yep. with, the, with the Discord realness, but that's that's the way to do it, man. That's yep. the community aspect of shit. Yep. And like, honestly, the video quality, the audio quality, everything's better. Huh. And you shouldn't be supporting Zoom. Are they, uh... Yeah, Jeff Bezos invented Corona and Zoom at the same time. I love the the conspiracy theory that coronavirus was 5G. Oh, sure shit wasn't 4G, my man. Did you you hear that one? (laughs) They were like, yeah, man, coronavirus and 5G, they came out at the same time, man. I'm telling you, 5G is better than coronavirus. Oh, God, can we not talk about this? Yes, I've heard (laughs) that. fucking worst (laughs) I had never heard that one, and I was like, "Are you okay? We're doing this until when?" You sound like you probably uh, may or may not get lost in a Reddit thread periodically. No, no, I, I, I think the internet broke me like a handful of years ago because I was for many years working as the band hammer on Xbox Live, and so like uh. I saw the worst of the fucking worst of the fucking worst, and I think it really between my personality. And streamlining that amount of content, I was the most online I'd ever been. That was when I was Brendan Fraser, got banned as Brendan Fraser, like all that shit. And uh, now I don't internet so much anymore. (laughs) I think it's kind of part of my like, whether it's like personality or astrology or whatever, I just do something until it hurts. And then I kind of drop the shit. And the internet was that f- for me for, for a very long time and uh, not so much my thing anymore. Yeah, it's hard to justify being on it these days. The thing that I've noticed and that is sad, but it is an observation. I mean, it's so when I say it's sad, 
I used to um, attach sadness to it. Now I'm simply trying to accept that people do their own thing, right? But I noticed that like I canceled my Facebook a while ago. Mine got canceled for me. They actually were like, hey, we need a picture of your uh, face. <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> and, and your ID. And I was like, no, I'm good. Did it take your Instagram with it though? No, I still have the Instagram, and for whatever reason, it, it it didn't ask for, like, all of my personal information on Instagram. So in losing Facebook, right, I lost, like, probably 90% of all of the people that I had met doing music throughout the years, right? So just, like, all of the, the people and all the little tours, all of the, you know, and then you're like, oh, well, I don't have friends anymore, and or, you know, is what you think, and then you realize you probably... sure didn't need to be friends with most of those people anyway. And you can actually get in contact with anyone if you really want to. I'm only bummed because my this just happened like a few weeks ago. I forgot about Facebook and I have two-factor authentication on everything but that. So my shit was hacked. <laughs> then banned because I was apparently making terrorist threats, which, you know, <laughs> I like to do. <laughs> kind of my thing. And it might have been like a fucking two strikes you're out thing from when I pretended to be Brendan Fraser for a few months and was banned and had to send in my ID for that. I like they still they straight up have not given me my account back. So but so I lost subsequently lost my Instagram as well. Um so yeah. Your your podcast is my only social media outlet. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, I haven't put no, out anything. Have me on every day so I could tell you about my food. <laughs> What'd you eat today, Brandon? It um, looked like this. I had ramen with an egg in it. Actually, I did today. You fucking oh, psychic. Sick. Are you like a pet psychic, but for ramen? <laughs> I have a weird thing with food where I know like what people have eaten or what people want to eat before they want it. No, I think my mic's really nice. You can just smell it. Oh. <laughs> smell a phone. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really? You think you can just pinpoint like? No, I just I do it with a. Uh, I don't know. I just think it's just in working in restaurants for as long as I have. Like something about just getting in tune with like listening to the frequency of what a person's stomach wants. I don't know. Are you st- are you still cooking? No. No, I quit all that. But for yourself, what does that manifest as? Because I've been hell into cooking for like the past couple of years. That's been my thing. To where before I was like. Box of mac and cheese, let's go. Yeah. Whatever coats my stomach so I can have some booze and how to roll and make stuff. But now I'm like caring about food. Yeah, that's the smart way to go. And I am a really good cook with all of my years of experience, but I have a very weird relationship with food where sometimes I don't want to cook. Largely for a long time, it was because I was cooking for other people for so long. So it's like if I was, you know, doing a double, working 14 hours, last thing I want to do is come home and cook dinner. And when I've been cooking, yeah. cooking meal so after meal for people. the shitty version of that or restaurant leftovers. Yeah, exactly. You either bring home leftovers or you end up like getting fast food or whatever, you know, just like takeout, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, as I did more digging, I realized that I have a lot of issues um, with food. Because when I was 12, my dad got married to his wife and and she took over. Food at Hooters was so good. (laughs) He didn't want to leave. Hooters was so good, bro. No, this is, he'd broken up with that woman for a lot. I feel like it was like three to six months, right? And he didn't have a partner. Someone set him up on a blind date at his work and he ended up marrying her like a month later. Or some shit, right? Is your dad Paul T. Goldman? I don't, I, I think so. I wish. Um, but my... So what she ended up doing is she, like, took over everything. So my dad, he had no, like... He was kind of in that same sense where he was, you know, working his ass off to support four kids as a single dad. So he would get off work at 6 o'clock and, like, go pick up McDonald's, like, all the 39-cent cheeseburgers or or uh, fucking Little Caesars and get, like, a bunch of hot and ready's, go to Albertsons, get all the pizzas, right? Yeah. Point is, he would let us feed ourselves because he needed to, and he'd give us junk food because it was easy. And so created Fat Kid Me um, with bad eating habits. My stepmom came along, and she essentially, like, 
took away access to food entirely. So it went from me having unfettered access, yeah. anything I wanted, to literally like if I will get hyper regulated shit. Yeah, like I like she put an alarm on the refrigerator. Right? So if I opened the fridge trying to get some food, the alarm would go off, she'd hear it upstairs, I'd get in trouble. You know, so like all these little things. So That's some reality show shit. Well, That's dude, <laughs> it you did this game Pavlov. Speaking of Pavlov, yeah, it developed a, essentially a Pavlovian <laughs> response in me that I couldn't open the fridge cuz it would I would get in trouble. So I had this realization like a, a couple of years ago that did like that I was a naughty thing for you where when you're on your own and you moved out, just opening the fridge would make you fucking cream your jeans. What's no, I would way? just let my my leftovers uh, rot. Fuck. And like not eat leftovers and stuff like that and buy groceries and put them in there and then not go in if there. you had the healthy taboo of like, this is naughty, so I'm going to do it. But instead, you're just fucked. <laughs> Would it be healthy, though? Because if I kept doing it, I'd be letting out all the hydrochlor whatevers, you know, we'd be polluting. Midichlorians, yeah. Midichlorians, that's the one. <laughs> so, yeah. So weird relationship with food. And so yeah, it the, has. How long was this? human your stepmom the one who put the alarm on the fridge still currently or because i've had a handful of stepdads yeah this uh person is married to my father still still they have been married since 2001 and so they've been married longer than they haven't been married in my life yeah 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 no that's weird yeah so you know for a long time i was always angry at my dad like well, you chose her over the family whatever and so that's that's been a lot of therapy but for did me he? yeah but that's okay you know in, what i mean in what it, sense though knowing you can just edit all this out this is me yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, so i mean if my dad wanted to listen to this then he'd oh, understand I, something the last person i thought would no, just, i don't i don't give a I'm shit like yeah. no no i mean like this podcast is like it's a therapy couch for me and and anyone who wants to be in it, you know. And so she, what was the question again? You're saying how long has, have they been married? Yeah, well, how long was she in your life? But also like, it, we're t kind of talking about the effect, like how much of an effect did she actually have on you? Because you said that when she came into oh, your she, dad's she life, took, that removed changed. the family. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. So, so to what degree? So she took over control of the house. Like, so the food was one example. Like she took control of like where I went to school. She started switching me schools when she sensed that I was becoming too friendly with kids. She didn't want me to have friendships. So Wait, like. Whoa, 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 whoa. Have you talked about this on the podcast already? Or is this a little, a, a little bit. I mean. Okay. Cause I, I think so. Cause you, cause you're using very broad terms for. This fucking broad over here. Just but, broad. but on the real, like, that's a huge thing to say and then breeze past. Because I just want to make sure that you're not confirmation biasing yourself when it comes to these things. Like, as far as how I'm interpreting what you're saying, that's breezing past a big thing. What do you mean? How would she even know the friendships that you're developing within schools? And also, if you're not changing your household, how many fucking schools are there for you to change between? So, Unless you're a fucking military rat. Well, I could go through hours and hours and hours on this, but I don't want to inundate you because you're not my therapist. So that's why I kind of skipped over some of these like broader things. But when it really came down to it, like... For instance, I was in band, right? And so I was at one middle school for sixth grade. That's when and when my parents got married or my stepmom got married to my dad. And so sixth grade, seventh grade, I was still at the same middle school. I was in band. Um, so my parents would come to the concerts and stuff all the time. I would always be sitting next to my best friend who also played the trumpet. We would be joking as well as, you know, like, because we're fucking 11-year-old yeah. boys. And she didn't like that. And so she didn't like him. And she just was like, he has a bad attitude. He's making you have a bad attitude. We're switching you to this other middle school. And I was like, I'd gone to elementary school with these kids. We went to middle school, like all the same kids. All of a sudden she was just like, I don't like this one kid's attitude. He's making your attitude bad. So we're switching you to the other middle school. Yeah. So it was like no one that I knew from you know to the other side of town. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm here now. So then I went to eighth grade at that school. By this point, I had been grounded 
I was grounded for having a bad attitude. And the way that I was told that I would be ungrounded was if I finished the chores on my chore list. Dude, I was grounded for summers at a time. So you're in my wheelhouse. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I was grounded for three and a half years. Yeah, it was too, ostensibly. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it was, it, it, uh, it was three and a half years because the chore list, she just kept adding to it. And also grounded meaning, which is important to me. For me, it was like no access to phone. Yes. Screens. No phones, no electronics. You couldn't watch yep. TV. You can't access, you're not allowed to listen to music. No. You're allowed to, you're allowed to read and do chores. You're not allowed to go do anything social whatsoever. You're, you're not allowed to, to have read, friends. Depending on what the reading shit was, but there was definitely chores. And the worst part of it, like a chore would have been a task for me. It was like, I want to make sure that you're doing something that hurts. <laughs> and like, that's why I don't mind like, Maybe it's the ADD shit. I don't mind meticulous things like doing dishes and shit. I don't, I don't mind a chore because my it gives my brain permission to fucking do a thing. Mm-hmm. But then once that was identified as some like subset of joy, then that was taken away and they would just kind of keep moving along. It sounds like you're kind of experiencing something similar. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So it just kind of ratcheted up. So I got switched over to this new middle school. I was there. Um, so I would just get the bus there go back home in the morning every single day. One day at the end of the year, it was the last early release day. I decided that I was going to go to one of my friend's houses and come home at the normal time. So I wasn't even like, it was, it was two hours of social time after the day, right? And she freaked out so bad on that that she switched me, you know, it was like right at the end of the eighth grade year. So she was like, these people are bad influences on you. We're switching you to the other high school. So there's, you know, so the next high school I'm going to so is going like to Fairhaven, have... Fairhaven, like, area? Yeah, so Seahome High School was going to be the new high school, which yeah. is right by Western, which is, you know, all that, um, well, where, we, where we partied and such back in, in Bellingham days. But by that time, so I knew no, no one that went to the elementary schools or the middle schools that went to Seahome. And so I was just like brand new kid again, right? And so that was the thing that she would do, where she just like, oh, you're you're developing relationships? No, not nice try. And then so I was at Sea Home for a while, and then she was like, oh, you're developing friendships again. So she switched me to the other high school again. And then while I was at that other high school, I was so pissed that she switched that you know my friends were taken away from me again that I just. I was homeless. So I just, I didn't go home one day and I was homeless for a week. And then people's, um, you know, local families heard essentially what was happening and they were like, that's unacceptable. Like bring him to our house. Yeah. So I stayed at local families' homes for probably the better half of six to nine months. And before guilt tripping my dad to putting down the deposit on an apartment that sure. I could have. And so I had an apartment, um, for senior year of high school. Yeah. No, I, I lived for similar reasons, like away from my home for a better part of a year or so, <laughs> like bouncing between parents who were like, oh, he's a good kid. Like mm-hmm. he can be here, but also like you go to school the same. Yeah. 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 So I was the the bad kid in high school. Like uh, anytime that anyone would get in trouble for anything, they would be like, oh, well, you know. Yeah, you're you're the center of it. <laughs> exactly. So it's like I wouldn't I wouldn't even be like anywhere near the thing. I'd have like completely clean alibis, but yeah, it wouldn't matter. Called because... into the principal's office mostly just as like a routine checkup kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so there was a lot of that, and then yeah. Uh, uh, so me moving out, like I just kind of my dad and my relationship stayed in that exact same place essentially up until like a year ago when I was like, we need to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's, I think that's a huge, like father son thing that happens. Yeah. I was lucky enough that mine started probably when I was 24 or so. Like my dad and I really started to be like, we're both dudes who don't have shit figured out. <laughs> and then like us growing as individuals becomes kind of the, the real parental bonding thing from there but how does that affect your your siblings you you're one of four so was was this person also regulating to the same degree with your siblings like the so my friends? siblings are seven and seven years older than me my brothers and my sister's six years they older than me hot. they sound hot 
I'm sorry, what? Did you, did you say they sound hot? <laughs> or I sound hot? I'm sorry, what? No, keep going. You just think that was Freudian on your part. Um, they're seven and six years older than me. And so they were out of the house by that time. So I was in uh, sixth grade by the time my dad met her. I think my, my sister was 17, about to turn 18, and she is pretty much already living with her boyfriend at the time, who's now her husband. They've been so together. you're the youngest. Okay. Well, that's way different. Yeah. To me, it, it like when I think back on it, like, and I, and I can't blame my dad for this, but it was like when my sister turned 18, he was done with parenting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, and I always kind of joked about it, but it was dry, like, I know this for a fact. I was not planned. Right. That's a huge age gap. Huge age gap. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was not planned. Even regardless of planning, <laughs> that's a huge age gap. Parents don't plan that more often than not. You know what I mean? And so, like, the fact of the matter is that my dad, he had probably done a bunch of projections and calculated that, like, by like he's like, okay, I'll be this age when my daughter is 18, and then I, I'm going to do my own thing. But I was still there, and she had kind of taken over, taken control, and he was just kind of like, the work here is done. Needed elsewhere now. Like he just didn't do or say anything. And so when I say he uh, allowed the, the family to be taken away from him, so to speak, it was the fact that he just stopped any attempt to control any aspect of his life. Probably because he was a lot older. And so any pushback he would give would be friction against his, like that's his, that's like him scooping up like, well, this is the best that's going to kind of be the thing forever. And so anything else is kind of friction against that. And subsequently that meant, unfortunately, you, the youngest kid, and how you kind of got trapped up in that cyclone. And that's shitty. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. And we are we are where we are. But I mean, it's it's one of those things where I could be bitter about it. I could be upset about it, you know. And I, I often am bitter and I often am, am upset. But um, Do you have a good I've, relationship with them now or? No, I, so a year ago I asked, I asked my dad if we could advance our relationship and he responded by not calling me for a year. So that's, that's how that is. That's corny. Put, yeah, it is. And, you know, it, it, you, all you can do is you can put the ball in someone's court and yeah, be like, hey, no, I'd like to move forward. Because my mom, like she was out of my life by the time I was five, right? She was, had all sorts of problems in her life. Now at this point in her life, she's 20 year, over 20 years sober, uh, drug counselor, and she's come back into my life and occasionally she'll drop the like the the line that, hey, I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you more when you're a kid. Yeah, and I always so remind her every time, I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The only thing that matters is that you're here now and that you're trying. Yeah. That's that's all I can ask for. You know what I mean? Like all we can hope is that we get to become like good friends with our parents later down the line. And also the, because I also have I have my mom is uh, a character. Mm-hmm. But I've had to, like, establish healthy boundaries. So, like, yes, I hear what you're saying as far as, like, the all we can do is what we're doing right now. But at the same time, if that person is repeatedly being, at that time, coming across as if they are being the best person that they are, but they're still the same fucking person and that still is damaging to everything around you... Sometimes you have to get all Tetris with the boundaries of things. And, and both of those things can exist as far as like uh, how we kind of reprimand our relationships with, with, with the people that brought us into this world, unfortunately brought us into this world. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask to be born. What is this? <laughs> I hate you. But thank you. I didn't know that about you at all. And I appreciate you giving me some insight into that. Yeah, yeah. This so whole time I thought you were just fucking weird. I don't blame you. Uh, you're like, wow, this guy smokes a lot of weed. Yeah. So essentially, all of that like abuse that was happening in my house, right, and other aspects of my family, I would try to like be like, hey, this shit's happening over here. This isn't okay. Like this is happening to me, and my family would just gaslight me and tell me everything was okay, right? And so that whole process. By family, you mean like older siblings. I mean, like my grandma mainly, like because my grandma was someone that I looked up. Fuck is the grandma ever known? Uh, so my grand—that's a whole other story. But my grandma has a <laughs> lot <rhetorical>. of. <laughs> she has a lot. She she's a very smart woman. She's ninety-four. She's still on her feet. She drives herself to the store. She's still like very cognitively sharp. But part of the way that she's done that is by 
compartmentalizing. So she, anything negative, it, it, like it doesn't exist. She's just yeah, like, she lived through the depression. <laughs> well, yeah. And then um, talk to you while you're high. Well, I'm rambling. She's like, God, <laughs> yeah. what, what am I? What's happening yeah, She's crushing it. <laughs> you know, yeah, she's she's on crush mode. But um, so there's a lot of compartmentalization and generational trauma that she's carried because she witnessed multiple traumatic events when she was a kid. So there's a lot of generational trauma that I've been unpacking and trying to figure out where it's not just my issues. It's my dad's issues. It's my grandma's issues. It's like yeah. all of these issues. You know what I mean? So, And, and you're only responsible for how you partition all of that and how you process all of that the rest of, yeah it helps to know why other people are the way they are selfishly so that you can know why you are why you are so that you can stop being that break the cycle or at least yeah. understand it more as you address and run every social situation through that lens hopefully yeah yeah i mean i'm doing all this in the effort to break it you know what i mean because like I just see this pattern. Like every time I go to family reunion, I see the same like traumatic sprinkling of anxiety that's like through everyone. And it all makes sense because it came from this one event where essentially my great grandfather um, was killed. He witnessed a bank robbery and he uh, pointed the guys out. They got 20 years in prison. They got out in three and he was found shot yeah. in, in, dead on, on, on the street. And so that so fucked up the family. Like early 1900s. Yeah, this is nineteen early uh, early nineteen thirties. Nineteen thirties, okay. Yeah, yeah, nineteen thirty one or nineteen thirty two or something like that. And so my grandma was, you know, five years old or something like, six years old at the time. How'd you? How'd you? This isn't some twenty three Amisha. How'd you find out about this? Investigative journalism. I've been doing a lot of digging. Like I'm, I've, I've been searching. Like my my aunt passed away a couple years ago. She gave me one little tidbit of information. She's like, "There's something that happened." That your family won't talk, because my this is my aunt, she wasn't part of our blood. So she could see the shit, the craziness of our family in the same way that I could. And she was the only one that I could talk to about it because she was outside of it all. But she was like, there's something that happened in this family. And I don't know exactly what it is, but like you need to like do some searching. And so like I did some searching and I found like newspaper clippings about all of this and stuff. And of course, my grandma's never talked about it, you know? Um, because yeah, none of that generation talked about fucking anything. <laughs> yeah, if we're boiling it down to like how my grandmother th thinks and like what the 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 message from that whole event was that boiled it, that burned itself into her brain was that if you speak up, you'll be killed. Because her dad spoke up and saw and and, and told who, uh, you know who who robbed the bank and he yeah. was killed, and so like. It turned into this whole like just just compartmentalization and walls. And so my grandma can't admit that there's anything bad in the world. And it just it's turned into my dad. So it's like I trickle down Reaganomics of bad emotions and people not actually processing shit, but doing it in an unhealthy way. And that just yeah. goes generational by generational. And like you have to break the cycle. Each fucking time, I know you either address it or you pass it way. directly. Yeah, yeah. so uh, hurt people, hurt people, as they say. You know, it sounds like you just said the same thing twice. <laughs> I did, <laughs> and then I burped right here. <laughs> you know what? Look at me, flirt people, flirt people, flirt people, flirt people. Yeah, put it on a shirt. What's your? Are you on time constraint? Am no. I am I holding Do you, you back from things? Go? No, I just I'm having a good time, but I want to make sure that you're uh, enjoying yourself. And I'm no, not no. I mean, I, I clocked out when I clocked out. Did my troubleshooting shit. Like, yeah, I just wanted to hang out. So, does a uh, sound design does that satisfy your creative uh, inertia, or is it just kind of a job at this point? Um, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like, uh, like there's just like this, oh fuck, how do I satiate this like unending creative part of me or something? I think I'm just a fucking weirdo and, uh, that's why I like you. I have very specific skills and like, I love making music and stuff, but 
it also, I got to see it get to a point where I didn't love making music, but I kind of felt like I had to. And well, you were doing it as your, your way of making money, right? At that time. Yeah. And I think that ruins a lot of shit. Like it might not be for everybody, but definitely for me, I didn't want to be on the road all the goddamn time too. Mm. So let's just say like in a perfect world, I'm like, oh shit. Got a manager, I can tour making music to make this money. There's still that pressure of creativity, but let's put that aside. I would still have to do these certain amount of things that would like keep me on the road and stuff. And um, yeah, I'm a dad and I'm a fucking great dad. <laughs> and I like being around and uh, breaking the cycle to, to call back to that. And so I found that the skills that I had accumulated as like, someone making strange music or whatever, inaccessible bullshit, also applied to sound design. And um, so I spent a lot of time figuring out, like, what do I actually enjoy? Because of, like, my attention is fleeting at best. <laughs> so I was like, well, I love video games. I love sound. And then that's kind of when I found that sound design for video games was a thing. And then for the past probably like six years have been really focusing on that primarily and then been working in it professionally for the past five years hmm. that's legit but do yeah. you uh is it just a lot of gun cocking sounds <laughs> it's a lot of everything it's it's the nuances of like so you can do sound design for film which is obviously like foley and things which yeah. also is a part of game development too like any time yeah. that you're moving running footsteps and stuff so yeah i just have a hmm. field recorder and then i'm just out anywhere and then any sound that i encounter i'm recording it and then just like harvesting all these sounds that i can later utilize for stuff in the future whether it be like a strange chihuahua <laughs> that's like making just a weird sound and then you pull the mic really close that'll later become like a zombie once <laughs> it's pitched down and stuff and mm. like yeah it's so it's it's all encompassing all aspects of stuff it's 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 really fucking fun because mm. when you're on like a game development schedule it's like yeah some of it's gun cocking sounds which Sometimes you can just cock a gun to get that, but honestly, the way that like our minds are thinking and processing these gun sounds, we want that larger than life shit, like from the movies where it's like, <laughs> most of that's not going to be a fucking gun because <laughs> guns don't sound that cool when they're no. shot or when they're cocked. No. So it's a lot of me just like finding cool mechanical things around recording them, pitching them down, running them through effects. And then like you get that, <laughs> but every, in VR especially, it's like every aspect of interacting is I'm grabbing this thing that needs a sound. Mm, yeah. It's not like the, me pushing a button to do this animation of reloading. It's like, okay, cool. I grab that. What does that sound like? I put it here. What does that sound like? I snap it in. What does that sound like? I pull a bolt back, let go. And so it's, it's capturing every single element of that. Hmm. Yeah. It's been fun as hell. So it's a bit of programming as well, like visual scripting within like the game engine that I'm using. So it's not just like recording a thing, making a thing and then giving it to someone. It's like, as I'm recording it and as I'm making it, I'm like, how do I make that a thing that makes sense in this game? And then how do I physically hook that up myself? Hmm. So I hit you with a lot of bullshit, but yeah. No, no, no I'm, I'm following it all. The short answer is like, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. You, the creative process is interesting. That's cool. Like you pitch down a chihuahua to make a zombie sound and shit. I remember always hearing stories of like some of the most famous sound design was the T-Rex roar. Oh, yeah. Ben Burt's like breakdown of it. Yeah. But I think I remember... If I remember hearing correctly, this might be a, a Mandela effect situation, but was the, the situation was that they took the sounds of like all the roars from like animals from the, like a, a bunch of different animal roars and stacked them together and then like pitched it? No, it it was, uh, there's a great breakdown here. Let me find it. Because yeah, that's the, the most 
famous example that I remember people always being like, how did they do that? Bember had spoken about it, but there's a breakdown specifically of it, which is Gary, who did the, the actual sound design for it. You let me message you on this shit's fucking fantastic because Gary breaks down like each individual layer of it, where it came from, like to the elements that are involved in it and then how it finally oh, wow. comes into it. So, yeah, you got... Oh, wow. Redwood, Redwood trees, trees whale. whale, alligator, lion, baby elephant, all together. And then it, and then it's like, how do you incorporate the mix of that and then what the final mix is? But huh. So another really good one like this, which is what brought Ben Burt to mind, was there's a Star Wars version of this to where Ben Burt breaks down like lightsabers and everything, oh, yeah. each layer of it and what he was recording for it. Like, yeah. All right, we're going to play this real quick. So the sound of, of the T-Rex footstep there is really mostly sonic booms. We wanted to get that just low frequency and nothing else. So we took sonic booms and made those be the first thing you hear, which turned out to be a really scary way to introduce the T-Rex. First layer of the T-Rex is not a vocal, it's really his feet. So this is sections of a redwood tree falling for the footsteps. And then whale, I didn't get much vocals from a whale that I liked, but their blowhole made good breathing for the T-Rex. This is alligator, low frequency, really low. hear how it'll be the low frequency element of the final roar. This is the line which I used for the attack. I tried not to use this, but I had to. I had to. It's too good. MGM line? The key element is the high frequency scream element, which is a baby elephant that we recorded. The big elephants we recorded weren't very interesting at that time, but the baby elephant came out and made this scream, and the baby elephant only did this once and we kept trying to get it to do it again and the handlers were saying we never heard it do that before that's a weird sound so every time the t-rex screams in the first jurassic park that baby elephant is part of the major roar here it is by itself the little cute baby elephant and the high-pitched scream that it made <laughs> that was a baby elephant so now see how wow. that blends with the rest baby elephant <laughs> that's adorable because you got that pitch down alligator like doing the like low rumble that feels very primal and then you still mm -hmm. need something on the high end that's like unique and screeching which is just the pitched baby elephant and like, it, that's a it's lot just like making like, a beat yeah <laughs> it truly is <laughs> that's kind of dope <laughs> it's completely dope my friend <laughs> Yeah, it's really fun because you can just capture shit around the world and just like you'd be sampling things wherever you're sampling that to make whatever it is in front of you, whether it's a zombie or the clanking of something or an explosion. Yeah. Yeah. My buddy, uh, he w I was telling him that I was interviewing you today and I mentioned the game and he was like, oh, he plays a lot of VR. So he was like, oh, Pavlov, like I've spent an ass load of hours on that. And he was just talking about how realistic it is with like the guns and like how you every motion you have to actually unload it. And so he'd get a gun and he'd just be like looking at it and wouldn't know what to do with it and just like <laughs> use it and then throw it because he didn't know how to reload it. I mean, every gun is gun specific to whatever it is. And yeah, if you have an LMG, you have to flip open the cover, pull yep. an actual ammo thing, pull the belt on, slam it down and then rack it, and, like, every gun is different, but I don't know. Did you ever play Counter-Strike at all? A little bit. Okay. So, like, as far as when you're shooting at people, like, the the hit registration for that and, like, how quickly you can die and how guns vary, like, the recoil patterns, it's 
taking inspiration from a lot of that and incorporating it into VR, but they're actually doing hands-on shit. And then there's different game modes that aren't just terrorist and counter-terrorist. It's like, um, the, the game I worked on prior to this was the Predator game. I fucking love Predator. <laughs> and the new Predator was dope. You mean the movie it. or the game? Well, the movie. I'm sorry. I didn't see, I didn't play the game. Well, sorry. I agree for the first part. And also, the game was fun as hell. <laughs> what did but, it came out for or come out for? Um, PlayStation. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's like asymmetrical game where like there's a fire team coming in just like the Predator movie and then someone plays as the Predator and so you can give your thermal vision and stuff and all your gadgets mm -hmm. you can lay traps and try and like if you were to try and overpower an entire fire team you would get wrecked but if you single people out just like in the movie then you can win and that was like the multiplayer aspect of it that's pretty legit but, yeah, there's different game modes in Pavlov 2 to where there's like a... Did you ever play Call of Duty infected game modes where like there's a whole normal people, someone's a zombie, if you get killed, you become a zombie. It's sort of like this like tag kind of thing to where... Okay. You die, you become a zombie, you kill someone else, they become a zombie, it's like a last person standing kind of thing. So there's different game modes within Pavlov where we kind of do stuff like that. That's cool. And that was where I had the most fun. Picking and choosing and choosing and picking and what would work for who and who. And also, when you get killed, there's some sad-ass guitar. So I did, like, some shoegazy grunge that's, like, ambient music that's happening. Like, And then as each person dies, it escalates, and each layer of, like, musically different shit is happening to where it feels tense. And then when you're the last person standing, it's just, like, straight-up drums, like, panic drums. And you're like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then you die, and then it there's just, like, the sad guitar sting of like boom damn it's like get dead my man <laughs> you did well I'm sure I will be asking you more about sound design when uh when I'm in post production from a film from a short film well it's a short film so it can't be about your dick cause that shit long lap hog that's what they call it <laughs> <laughs> did you see that Oh, no, I shouldn't bring it up. No, no, let's, let's, let's redo that. Cut it back, cut it back. <laughs> Segway back into the short film again, and I promise I won't make a dick joke about your long penis. <laughs> Don't fall asleep. Come on, come on back. Come on, uh, come on, come on. Dick jokes. <clears throat> so, Dicktal.com. Starting, starting over. <laughs>